Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. It is my duty to place before you certain facts about the present position in Europe. From Stettin in the Baltic to Trieste in the Adriatic, an iron curtain has descended across the continent. Behind that line lie all the capitals of the ancient states of Central and Eastern Europe. Warsaw, Berlin, Prague, Vienna, Budapest, Belgrade, Bucharest, and Sofia. All these famous cities and the populations around them lie in what I must call the Soviet sphere. And all our subjects, in one form or another, not only to Soviet influence, but to a very high and in some cases increasing measure of control from, uh, from Moscow. I hesitate to say that it's, it's the most influential or important of Winston Churchill's speeches because he delivered so many. Those, of course, the words in part from the 
Iron Curtain speech delivered in Fulton, Missouri, March of 1946 in a brand new book, terrific book titled The Churchill Factor, How One Man Made History. London Mayor Boris Johnson devotes a full chapter to the Cold War and how Churchill won it. This is Mayor Boris Johnson. Mayor, thank you so much for being a part of my program. Good morning, sir. It's a pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed your book, and I, I, I tell you up front that I was skeptical of your ability to shed new light on the subject, and having concluded the book, I believe you did so, and I have a theory as to why you were able to do so. Well, I tell you the, I tell you the answer. I think, I, well, I don't know what your theory is, but I, I'm so pleased you liked it. I, I enjoyed it hugely, uh, the experience of, of writing it, and I found that even though I thought I knew a hell of a lot about Winston Churchill, and I've read tons and tons of books about him over the years when i really dug into it and i got some had some some great researchers i couldn't believe the scale of his achievement and the energy of the guy that was the thing that really blew me away by the way it was just his you know volcanic energy and um i hope i hope there was some some stuff that that, that came through that you you, you that uh, that uh, amused or or amazed you too Well, there were great insights into it that had never occurred to me into the subject matter. And like you, I am a Churchill buff. I visited Chartwell probably a half a dozen occasions. I never come to the UK without visiting the cabinet war rooms. I've devoured all of the Manchester books on the subject. But what occurred to me is that, and I I say this with, with great affection, Boris Johnson is a character. He was a character. Therefore, I view the two of you in certain ways as kindred spirits. Yeah, well, you know, I think lots of British politicians, the awful truth, Michael, is that all, a lot of us feel pathetically that we, we wish we were more like Winston Churchill. We all do. He, the, the shadow he casts is immense. And in some ways, it's a deforming effect because everybody tries to be a bit like Churchill, but nobody can pull it off. He, he was a one-off. You know, I've got more in, in common with a, with a, with a you know, a I don't know, a tree frog from Puerto Rico than, than with Winston Churchill, unfortunately, or, or a one-eyed pterodactyl. And that, that, that's because he, he, was just, he was constructed on a different scale from the, the rest of us. And 64 years in, in Parliament, uh, helping to win the First World War, winning the Second World War, uh, inventing the tank, inventing the RAF, helping to find modern Israel, the uh, modern Ireland, the map of the Middle East... Syria, Iraq, Jordan, personally drawn by Winston Churchill, uh, winning the Nobel Prize for literature, and, and, and his paintings are still selling for, for about a million dollars each. You know, what a, what a, uh, the energy. I just think there's been no one like him before or since. And, you know, he was wrong about so many things. He was heroically, catastrophically wrong about Gallipoli, about the abdication. And then when it comes to it in 1940, uh, he's right. And thank God he was there. Thank goodness he was actually uh, the guy with his hand on the on the tiller then, because I think the world would have been hellish without him. Mayor, everyone, I think, has heard a different version of the Bessie Braddock story. Would you share that with us? <laughs> yeah, well, I think that it, I, it's terribly rude. Well, poor Bessie Braddock. Bessie Braddock's a, sort of, a rather sort of well, amply proportioned female. Uh, she's, a, she's a socialist uh, <laughs> Socialist MP, and she she's bearing down on Winston Churchill. Like he's coming out of, I think, out of the. I think it was, I know the place it happened. It was he was coming out of the, of the Treasury, and uh, he says she says, Winston, you're drunk, and he says, Madam, 
I'm maybe drunk, but you are ugly and I will be sober in the morning, which I think, you know, has gone down as sort of number one insult in, in world history. I think actually it's, it's terribly rude. He did say, he did, he did say some, some very, very funny things. And, um, uh, the, the, um, there was a famous occasion when, um, he, another story about his drunk, his alleged drunkenness, because of course he wasn't really drunk when he took important decisions. He, he, he was in America once and, and somebody was amazed at his consumption of alcohol and said, um, Mr. Churchill, uh, uh, alcohol rageth and stingeth like a serpent. And he said, uh, I've been looking for a drink like that all my life. Um, <laughs> his, his, his attitude to, to life. Uh, and that, but that was very much what he was standing for, what he, what it was all about. Uh, I think the genius of Churchill was that he managed in his personality to embody that idea of freedom, doing your own thing, being yourself. But isn't but but uh, isn't this the, mayor? The, isn't the, this also? Isn't this also a wake-up call that says there may be Churchills among us, and if we are if we are constantly policing of political correctness, yes. we may be ridding is, them from the ranks. Yes. Yes, we are pasteurizing, homogenizing, and sterilizing our politics uh, by by uh, refusing to allow politicians to say anything without engulfing them in a twit storm of hate uh, that is cooked up by the lobbies and the and the and the and the politically correct interest groups who denounce them and and then force them to to retract and. Anyway, I'm re- I'm ranting on, as you can tell, but I, I I think there's I think there's something in that. I think that it I think that there has been a a sterilizing effect on on uh, on politics as, as a result. You know the of- the way. The way that you've structured the book, and this is what I also appreciated about the Churchill factor, how one man made history, is Mayor Boris Johnson takes us places. You physically visit locales that were important in his life, and you tell us what took place there. And very early in the book, when Winston Churchill has a decision, the most momentous decision of whether to negotiate with the Nazis or to fight, you take us to the room where that decision was made. And then you write early in the book, within a year of that decision, obviously the decision to fight and not negotiate, 30,000 British men, women, and children had been killed, almost all of them at German hands, Weighing up those alternatives, a humiliating peace or a slaughter of the innocents, it is hard to imagine any modern British politician having the guts to take Churchill's line, to which I would add, or any American or Western politician generally. That's absolutely right. And that's why I wrote the book, and that's what I wanted to get across to people, because it wasn't just that uh, it was a, a generational change. Churchill was also exceptional in his own generation. The, the people there around that, that table, Halifax, Chamberlain, the Labour guys, uh, Archie, Archie Sinclair, the, the Liberal, you know, they, they weren't going to, uh, to do that. You, you, you know, Britain had, uh, 22 years ago, Britain had lost a million people in the, in the First World War. America had lost 100,000, 56,000 military casualties. America had lost. There, the Americans weren't going to come in. What, 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 you know, the, the idea of fighting on was very, very painful, horrific. And it, it required immense moral courage to see that the, the alternative of doing a deal, of making an accommodation with evil on the European continent would actually ultimately be worse. And that, that required 
not just courage, but vision. He he saw very clearly what what would happen, and he was right about Hitler. And he was then proved right again, of course, in 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 forty six when he makes the great uh, the, the the great uh, speech that you you quoted at the, at the beginning. Mayor, there's a chapter, in fact, I think it's the final chapter, Maker of the Modern Middle East, and I was so interested to read this because I think while everyone gives him credit for the defeat of the Nazis and the success in World War II, I find myself more recently wondering if the man of the 20th century has some culpability with regard to the implosion that we see now in the Middle East. That is a very interesting question. I don't think you can really lay the blame at uh, the feet of Winston Churchill. I think he, the idea of, of uh, dividing Syria from Iraq, of, of, of bundling together the three uh, vilayets of, of Mosul and Baghdad and Basra and creating the state of Iraq, I think in the end was as good an idea as any. It was what the Arabs themselves wanted. Uh, Jordan, which he certainly drew up, has been with, with the Hashemite kingdom there, has been actually remarkably stable. And he played a big part in, in the foundation of Israel, which for all its faults is the only democracy in the, in the region. And uh, he understood, and Churchill absolutely understood the, the moral imperative and, uh, of establishing Israel. And uh, if you look at the, his words there, they're very moving. He, he gets the point. He sees what a fantastic thing it can be. And he's very idealistic about how the Israeli settlers can work together with the Arabs to produce a flowering in the desert. And, of course, that's not how things turned out, or certainly not everywhere and always. And that, was a, that has been one of the tragedies of our times. But, you know, one day perhaps it will turn out that way. And that is not a, it's not a bad ideal. It's not a bad, it's not a bad ideal. So I, I'm, not, I'm not inclined to, to blame him for... For the way things have gone in 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 Mesopotamia, you know, the Roman Empire came to grief in, in Mesopotamia. For heaven's sake, it's, it's, not, it's never been it's never been easy. And remember what he says about about uh, Iraq. He says, I, "I hate it. I wish we'd never gone there. It's like living on an ungrateful volcano." And you know, those are I'm sure words that would would resonate with many people in the in the military. I, I in, thought that in, I thought George W. Bush had said that. Well, exactly. I know, isn't that funny? <laughs> that was Winston Churchill in 1922. Isn't that amazing? M- Mr. Mayor, uh, it's an extraordinary book. It's uh, called The Churchill Factor, and Boris Johnson is the author. Take us inside his head and tell me, how would Winston Churchill be fighting the Islamic State? I think he would He would have regarded it as a uh, the terrorist threat. He would have been extremely... Uh, Tough as, as Home Secretary, I'm sure he would have he would have cracked down very hard on all uh, on anybody who posed a threat to the state in that way. I think he would have been absolutely ruthless. I think he, I think he would have been a little bit wary about boots on the ground in 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 Syria and Iraq for part of the reason I just gave. You know, he you know he thought it was a terrible place to fight, uh, but also because I, I think that he he you know, he wasn't by inclination a natural invader and and colonizer of 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 of, of other places and, and you know remember in 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 uh in palestine at one stage you know he he wants the mandate the british mandate to be given to 
not just to the Americans. One stage he asked for the mandate to be given to the uh, to the Belgians, for heaven's sake. Um, quite what he was thinking of that, I don't know. But he he he. I'm trying. To, the point I'm trying to get across is he he wasn't an aggressor. He didn't believe it. He he didn't believe in aggressively trying to, as it were, impose democracy on on people from from thirty thousand feet. But he but he he certainly. I, I think he would have been. I think he, he would have been very reluctant to see boots on the ground in that part of the world. But he would have been very tough in his approach to uh, to returning terrorists from the from the ISIL region. I appreciate that's a, a sort of a cautious and hedged answer. But that's the trouble with 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 thinking about Churchill today. You can there are some issues where really it's impossible to say what he what he would have done. Um, what you concerned what you can say is that he had certain values and certain ideals uh, he believed in democracy he believed in free speech he believed in the in the alliance between britain and america britain and europe and america he would have wanted all that to be strong and and secure um he believed in never giving in that's that's for sure one last point if i might mr mayor and thank you for being so gracious with your time there's a well, chapter cool. in the book called the Great Dictator, which will take some folks by surprise, but I, having read it, certainly know what you mean, and I've, I've been in the room that gave birth that to this whole you... chapter. Oh, my Lord, yes. But let me, let me read one paragraph, if I might, and then you can just uh, embellish yeah. it. There must have been something unique in his metabolic pathways, and what makes it even more astonishing is that most of the time he didn't even write. He dictated. He would gather his thoughts and then, wreathed in tobacco and alcohol and perhaps wearing his monogram slippers and the peculiar mauve velvet siren suit made for him by Turnbull and Asser, he would walk the wooden floorboards and growl out his massively exogenated sentences, and that was barely the beginning of the word processing system. That's, that's right. And the incredible thing about Churchill was that he could do this at uh, 10 o'clock in the evening, after he had drunk the most extraordinary quantity by modern standards of alcohol. Uh, and, and you know, uh, he, 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 that was how he did the chart. Where you, 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 that, that room you're, you're describing, uh, he, that was a, a kind of a huge engine for the generation of, of text by, by Winston Churchill. And, and there were downstairs, there would be little people working in the library and he had to, on facts that he needed, like a kind of search engine or, or whatever, and they would, he would shout down for whatever he needed, or someone would shout down for him, and they would come scooting up with uh, what he wanted, and he would then take it and, and put his own, uh, his own spin on it. And that was, that was how he did it, and that, that was how he produced that colossal quantity of, of, of text, and, and some of it is... is Obviously, better than uh, um, the rest of it, but but uh, at his best, he's a fantastic writer. Fantastic writer. To be to be in to be in to be in that room is to feel like you're in the skin of the man. It is. You 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 do understand it. Did you, did you get into the bedroom? Mayor, I I, I did. I did. And not only did I get into the bedroom, and please don't ask me how, but I also saw the bathtub. The bathtub. That's the <laughs> I know. The bathtub. The bathtub of destiny. That's where it happened. And the second That's where it all they would come and they would mm. and, and, and they would sit there, sort of averting their eyes as he splashed right. around with his, his loofah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and the, and then he would and he and he would keep dictating to them, and then quite unselfconsciously, in the way of those times, he would he would get out of the bath and stride oh, forward, man. stark naked, and they would scamper from the room. Um, and he, you can t- you can tell you can tell. I hope I thoroughly enjoyed your book. Thoroughly I'm enjoyed totally. your book. Yeah, it's titled The Churchill Factor, How One Man Made History, and it's our honor to have the London mayor, perhaps the future uh, prime minister of the U.K., no, who no, knows, no, no, Boris no, Johnson. No, 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 absolutely not. Anyway, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so pleased you, you enjoyed it, and I, and I hope it, uh, it, uh, it's taking Churchill to, to places that, he, that perhaps haven't been thinking about him for a while. As I said at the outset, only someone like you could have taken us to those places, and I mean that with affection. Thank you, Mayor. Thanks all the best. Thank you. That's Mayor Boris Johnson of uh, the great city of London. Oh, come on, guys. The, the bathtub. bathtub. That was the awesome. Ba- <laughs> I, I have seen. Hey, I know what he's speaking of. I've seen the bathtub. He was leading you there, but did not think you were going to go did. there. He did. He did. Uh, how, could, how could he ever, how could he have ever imagined that I had seen it? Right? Too much. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Albert's, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.